0: Hi everyone, and welcome to this first episode of the Beyond the Physics podcast. This is your host, Joseph Guzman. So, I'm very excited to be bringing this content out to you. It's been a long time coming. So, I'm just grateful that we're at the point now where you can be here listening to it. And hopefully, you guys enjoy what I got in store for you. And I've uploaded an accompanying introduction to the podcast, where I try to describe my background, and my expertise, basically, just letting you know who the hell I am. As well as introduce my co-host, Irene Roman, and the goals of the podcast. So, please, if you haven't listened to that, I recommend you check that out first. Assuming everyone here has listened to that introduction, though, we can just move straight on to tonight's conversation. So, tonight, Irene and I are joined by our good friend, Terence. So Terence was a graduate student in physics. However, he's recently decided to leave the program for other ventures. And as such, I think he has a unique perspective on the field, which I am keen to pick apart and try to understand. If I were to try to summarize tonight's conversation, though, it would probably be fair to say that the main theme or motif of the conversation was on the importance of critical thinking, and self-deconstruction. We start the conversation, though, describing Terence's motivations and how he found himself interested in physics. And if you're at all like me, you'll find this particular point perhaps inspirational. Then we go on to talk about Terence's experience with religion and how that directly correlates with his experience with science. So it's interesting to hear how he's come to grapple with these two competing philosophies. Next, we briefly talk about spirituality and whether we feel that there is a place for spirituality within physics. And naturally then we have a brief discussion about drugs and whether some psychoactive drugs have a potential usefulness or utility function in increasing the broader general public's capacity for empathy or self-awareness. And finally, we briefly discuss education and how we might go about increasing children's critical thinking capacities within the K-12 program, for instance. Anyways, I think that briefly summarizes the conversation, so if any of that sounds interesting to you, please stick around. And since this is the first episode of the podcast... I ask that you please leave us your ratings, comments, criticisms. I really need to get a sense of what you guys think I'm doing right, as well as what you guys think I'm doing wrong. Anyways, with all that said, I welcome you to our conversation with our good friend, Terrence. This is Beyond the Physics. All right, hello everyone, and welcome to this episode of Beyond the Physics. I'm your host, Joseph Guzman, and I'm joined with my two guests, uh, Irene Roman, potential co host. also graduate student in physics say say hello
1: hi everyone i'm irene roman <laughs> <laughs>
0: just so they recognize your voice and then our main guest today is uh, terence who is i guess now officially a former graduate student in physics feels great <laughs> feels great <laughs> to be free exactly right so i think we'll probably spend some more time going into questions about like how you feel about being free and stuff like that but just I guess briefly like Mm -hmm. now that the chains of graduate school are released upon you uh what's been going on in your life so
2: great question man I think um well I've been kind of taking it easy right now Mm -hmm. but um I guess the journey is to now go the full entrepreneur route so Mm -hmm. we're gonna try to have something going here i got a bunch of different ideas that's always the easy part right yeah but the uh the action is the hard part so now it's really it's really the the true test Mm -hmm. to see where i'm gonna be going here but um yeah man i'm just working on some things some random things of course you know the podcast right shameless plug our podcast Bros. you can Mm -hmm. find it on youtube um and yeah a bunch of other crap (laughs) <laughs> excellent. excellent. Hopefully,
0: so. some of this crap sticks to the wall or <laughs> something happens. Yeah. And I think we'll go into more detail about what that other crap actually is. Mm-hmm. But um, that's great. I mean, like thinking about, you know, being done with graduate school, it's just like, it's a whole nother level of like working and like your body needs to really adjust to like, I think, not working at that level. Yeah. Right. Like, because I, when I imagine like when I'm done with school, like, the weight that's going to be off my shoulders is like, I feel like I need like a year of like <laughs> decompression time <laughs> to like get out of that mindset. Right.
2: Surprisingly, actually, I felt um, very relieved immediately. Hmm. Like, well, maybe, maybe um, it was also because I always, I was already taking it kind of easy towards the end because, you know, I was only taking one class yep. and that was still like we were in it, but hmm. I was already on my. Decline, we could say, <laughs> right. or my phoning it in. Right. So, I mean, I've, I felt like um, it's
0: it was pretty quick decompression, honestly. Right. Okay. So you feel like um, you definitely feel comfortable that you made the right decision. Though. Yeah. Right. For yeah. you. I
2: definitely know I did for myself. Yeah. Okay. And actually, to be honest, this was already this is always part of the plan in some ways. Interesting. Yeah. So it was. It's. It's. It was kind of always in the back of my mind. I kind of dictate my life in a very go with the flow manner in a sense, but there's Mm. always kind of a very loose plan in the background. So, you know, I've always known I wanted to do something like business or entrepreneurship and I really like tech stuff. Right. And Mm. I love, you know, physics. Mm. And the thing was, I was like, I always felt like I wasn't quite there Mm. in terms of what I wanted with physics, especially at the end of um, undergraduate. And, you know, I was like, I need to go to grad school. You know, this is one of the pathways I need to take you know, in order to get myself to the level I want to be. But the thing is, you can't go to grad school for free. <laughs> you know, if you're okay. not going the full PhD route, right? And so it's okay. kind of like <clears throat> I'm I'm kind of a, a school hacker. <laughs> I see. It's what I call myself in some ways, or right. just a life hacker in general. And I try to maximize the amount of benefits I can get with something. You know, even though it may not be the traditional pathway. Right. You know, I just need to go down the path that I think makes the most sense to give me the highest yield. But also, you know, we're, well, well, that's not going to it's not going to hurt anyone or anything, you know, because I mean. There's no other way you can really do this if you want to mm. go high or you want to take yourself to a high level of physics. Right. Mm. So I don't know how familiar people are with this, especially a layman audience. You know, you can get basically free tuition. As a graduate student,
0: which is unusual,
2: I think, for many other majors. It's kind of an exclusive thing for the sciences.
0: Right. It's not necessarily Um, free, right? It's just covered by your job. Yeah. Which is teaching. As
2: far, it's it's not, you're not going to have to come out of pocket yourself. Right. Exactly. You should be able to have a sustainable uh, uh, life with this pathway into science. Right. So I knew that was the route. I knew that was something that was the way to go. So that was what I took as my opportunity to move ahead in life and learn more information and learn the skills I needed to take myself to the
0: next steps of what I want to have um business wise. Right. So so when you say like you wanted to take it to the next level, yeah. right? How did you conceptualize that in your head? Like what does that exactly mean? Like where do you draw the line of like, okay, I have this level of knowledge, like with a bachelor's degree in physics presumably, mm-hmm. why was that
2: not enough? So, I guess bachelor's degree is sufficient, mm. but for me, I wanted to be completely um, sure that it was sufficient. So, I felt okay mm. with bachelor's knowledge. Like, I definitely thought I could make a business with that, but with graduate, i thought, you know, this is the next, next level where really the thing I wanted graduate school I didn't get mm. <clears throat> was more lab experience. Mm-hmm. So in undergraduate, I was very experienced with working in the lab. Right. But with graduate, I wanted even more because I still didn't feel like I had a good um, understanding of machinery. Mm-hmm. So I worked in, uh, as you know, I worked in condensed matter physics. So right. that's just a fancy way of saying solids and liquids. <laughs> and in condensed matter physics, you need to do things related to materials. So material science would be in that realm um, and you use a lot of machinery. So you l- use a lot of magnets, electricity, all that kind of stuff, right. um, and machines. And the thing is, I wanted to do something in industry or related to that, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't have any experience with any big machinery or any leading-edge equipment. And mm-hmm. the only way you can get your hands on this kind of stuff, at least also at the the breadth that I wanted, is in the sciences. Right. You can't even really get that in industry, because in industry what happens is usually they'll throw you onto like a, a, a one particular machine or something and right. they say oh you get really good at this one machine right and for me that's like okay it's kind of cool but you're so limited hmm. so you only know one machine which is not something I'm really interested in right. so with physics it's just beautiful beautiful because I could get a broad knowledge of a bunch of different machines and in particular, the group I went with was that kind of group where mm-hmm. I got a lot of knowledge with a bunch of different machinery. And these are, you know, million dollar, half million dollar pieces of equipment that you could not ever use really in real life. It's just there's no real way to get your hands on that for people to trust you to use that. Mm-hmm. So and only a graduate student could get that and be as dumb as they are, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and still be able to use the machinery that is that, is that expensive. Right. So I was like, "This is a perfect opportunity for me," okay. um, and I got a lot of experience with it still because I got to put my hands on a lot of the different pieces of equipment. But it still wasn't as much as I was expecting when I got in the program, and it actually turned out to be much more of a theoretical buffering of my knowledge, mm-hmm. which is still useful. Right. So I think I got something out of it. Right.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, uh, the motivations for going into Graduate school seemed very, uh, I think that's a unique perspective. I don't know how many people would.
2: Yeah, I think it's an unusual one, right? Because most people want to go down the full PhD track. They want to be the, you know, the next Einsteins or the <laughs> next Dirac's or something. Me, I'm just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start my own business. I want to make a weird path that nobody else really does. Mm-hmm. And it's not really a path that anyone has a school for, right? There's, right. No, there's no physics path for an entrepreneur. Right. You know, there's no Elon Musk path. You know, mm. so I was like, I got to create my own path in the way that I want to create it. Yeah. And I think it's just, that's kind of how i always been, you know, very, I've kind of known what I want to do, but a lot of sh- stuff that I like to do, there's no real set way to do it. So I kind of have to, f- to, you know, shape and mold myself in a system to get where I want to get to.
0: Right. But I, I guess the next question I would have from that is like, what gave you the... Inclination that learning these machines would be useful for your entrepreneurial ventures. Like, what well, did you vision in your mind? Like, would come out of that, or could you use it for in the first place?
2: So yeah, it's a great question. I didn't know necessarily that I was going to have particular utility in those p- specific machinery right. that I'm using. But I came from a spintronics research group in undergraduate, okay. and spintronics for for everybody out there is just a different kind of computing architecture. So it would be like, I guess not even that. It's a bunch of different things related to using spin, I guess. So spin, also for everybody out there, is just a property or it's a, um, what can you say? I guess it's a property of uh, subatomic particles or even not even subatomic. It could be property of molecules where basically particles are like tiny magnets. And the spin of that particle would be... um, the magnetic moment of that particle, which is like if you can picture a bar magnet, a spin would be just like a tiny little bar magnet. So if it's pointing north and south, that spin, that spin would be that north south um, direction that it's pointing. And so you mean that spin as in like the rotation clockwise or counterclockwise? I didn't want to say that because you know, as you know, that that name's kind of a misnomer, right? Mm. Because the the particle is not actually spinning. Mm-hmm. And, and also it's a little bit too, it's a little bit complicated cause I didn't want to get into that because, um, you know, then you have to bring in angular momentum and whatnot.
0: But yes, yeah, so they call okay. it spin because so generalized more just angular momentum.
2: Yeah. So, so I don't know who, particularly who our audience is going to, who your audience <laughs> is going to be, but for, you know, the layman, there's a property of spinning objects where something that's spinning has something called angular momentum don't really get too hung up on what that means exactly, but that's essentially what spin is. But if you want to make it really simple, just think of it as a tiny bar magnet. Okay. And anyway, I forget what I was saying. Oh, <laughs> oh so yeah, so um, my, my research group did Spintronics. Right. And I knew I liked that stuff, mm-hmm. and it's related to computing and whatnot. I've always kind of fallen back to computing stuff. Mm-hmm. So one thing is I do in life is I always collect a bunch of knowledge, it seems, related to... <laughs> particular fields and i feel like i'm always collecting knowledge related to computing somehow Mm -hmm. and it's not even like purposeful it's like almost accidental it just happens to i always keep landing on computing stuff information i kind of think of myself as a guy who loves information and um i kind and i kind of just keep going back to that right so what i was doing so what i did was with my research group i got into a group at at uh at our school, mm-hmm. that does Spintronics research as well. So I knew that the machinery that I was working with was going to be um, useful for the path I'm going towards, which mm-hmm. seems to be something computing. Okay. So it's kind of interesting because I don't really quite know where I'm going in life, right? <laughs> okay. But I have right. a general like weird, um, a weird like river <laughs> that I'm going down right. where I'm kind of for the ride. But I can kind of like steer the river towards like a, a fork in the road every now and then. I see. You so, know.
0: so, a lot of the decisions, at least post, uh, back post bachelors, yeah, right in your life, seem to have been like no conscious plan, right? Just um, or whatever your like gut intuition has led you. You've kind of just trusted that. And in a that. sense, yeah. But you know, I always feel like you got to take the
2: big opportunities in life when they're given to you. So I've always kind of taken really big opportunities when I can. Mm-hmm. And I'll steer myself towards those big opportunities and then really gear myself down in that direction mm-hmm. in a sense. So it's like there's a conscious plan, but it's not really like a, a well-formulated plan. I find it too limiting to have too much of a regimented plan. Yep. So I try to just go where the opportunities take me mm-hmm. as long as it's, a direction, it's a, in a direction that's interesting to me. Right.
0: And so... This totally isn't like the structure I had planned at all, but the conversation <laughs> like um, one uh, question that I had is basically, what was exactly, could you describe the transition um, period? Did you, I know previously you worked in telecommunications, is that yeah, right?
2: Yeah, that's true. Was that before or after your bachelor's? That was after my bachelor's.
0: Okay, so, so the progression is you went To get your bachelor's in physics. Yep. And then afterwards, you found a job in telecommunications.
2: Exactly. So I got hired pretty quick, actually. So immediately as I graduated, I got hired for the job. Um, This is a pro tip for all you guys looking for jobs soon or in in the near future. Go to career fairs. Career fairs will be the way you get a job. Online isn't going to do it. Don't even bother. Well, I mean, you can bother with it, but if you're not getting all the little check marks, people are lazy and they just use it as a filter. But if Mm. people see your face in a career fair, you can get hired. That's how I got hired. Mm. So I got hired for the for the um, telecommunications job, and I worked there for like roughly a year. Right. And uh, it was a really cool job, and I actually learned a lot. Mm. Once again, that's related to like networks again, and like a little bit of computing, not so much, but it's still related to like all the stuff I've been doing. So, um, yeah, and basically what I did was I would set up, like, fiber optic nodes. Okay. So the first day on the job, basically, I set up a node. It was in Texas. And um, we set up this fiber optic node, and it took about a week. But uh, I worked that first week on the job. I worked 96 hours. And (laughs) that was pretty much the set the tone for the rest of the job. (laughs) Oh, my gosh! So I was literally working um, over 70 hours a week at least. Every mm. single week um, and I was traveling all over the u s for like phew, at least seventy percent of the time right. per month mm. um, so it was basically it was very much a job for a particular type of person right yeah, which is definitely like the kind of person who would be in like uh physics or something mm. <laughs> so yeah. masochistic
0: to say the least <laughs> okay. <laughs> right okay. <laughs> yeah i'm yeah. seeing the connection now right <laughs> but okay so the reason i bring that up is because you were mentioning that you basically try to follow where the big opportunities lead you yeah right? so it's like how is it that you go from a telecommunications job to f- where exactly is the room for the opportunity to sneak in to go into graduate school okay um
2: So that just came about because I got sick of doing that job. (laughs) So that job, I think I felt like I learned everything I wanted to learn from it within about that little period of time, with maybe a few months' time. So it didn't have much room for um, growth, that job. And it also didn't have much room for... It didn't have the kind of learning that I wanted from it. It was kind of slow, and it was really... It was really like um, most of it was. I really didn't like it because the way that that job worked was basically no one knew what the hell anybody else was doing, and it was always passing blame to other people. Mm. So one thing about science is really cool and awesome is that everybody like talks with these with each other and and problem solves with each other, mm. and they speak about you know how we can fix this issue. What are your ideas? And, you know, what would you, what was your plan of attack? You get different angles from people and they're all about solving the issues. Mm. This job is just about passing the blame. Right. So basically whoever messed up that person did it and Mm. it's never me. It's never that other person, you know, Mm. or it's never myself. It's always the other guy. So it was just very much an environment of just like something that I knew I wouldn't enjoy and, you know, a lot of the solutions and things and the practices that were done were not very intelligent. Um, but I mean, that's I guess that's all you get that with business sometimes. Right. It's hard to run a business. Yeah. Um, what was the whole point of that? I forget. <laughs> <laughs> what,
0: where was the motivation to like where was the big opportunity that uh, oh. brought you to grad school?
2: Oh, so then. Yeah. So I was sick of the job. <laughs> I was like, ah, I got to get the fuck out of here, right? Hmm. Oh, how do you feel about cussing on your podcast? <laughs> yes. Okay, 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 good. So, okay, A- okay, no okay. restrictions. I was like doing good, and then I was like, ah, oh, crap, okay.
0: <laughs> say whatever you want to say, man. Okay,
2: fuck yeah, all right. <laughs> so then what happened was, I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Let's go find the next opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I definitely want to keep learning more physics. I felt like my knowledge of physics wasn't that good still. You know, this kind of leads back to what I was saying before. Mm-hmm. I know I need to still build my business up, but I still don't feel like I have enough of an in yet. Mm-hmm. I need to know more niche things about the field I'm trying to go into. I need to find an area of attack where I can sneak in. I was like, the only way I'm really going to get that level, I think, is probably grad school. I can learn a lot, and I can hack school. Mm-hmm. And I, I got really good at hacking school in undergraduate which I thought I was going to have the ability to do in PhD. Mm. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay so very hard gonna, to hack school in PhD. You're, you're
0: going to have to break that down for me. What do you
2: mean by hack school? Okay. So hacking school to me is basically doing school, the bare minimum work you need to do <laughs> to pass the classes. Okay. So like I didn't give a fuck about getting A's ever. So right. I was like, I can, get, I can get B minuses and I'll be fine. I don't care. Even Cs maybe are fine too. I've gotten. I think I got a couple Cs in undergraduate. Mm I was like, as long as I stay like above a three something, I'm good. But then that means I can spend all the rest of the time that I would be otherwise using on A getting As and acing tests, doing research or doing um, SPS things, building my resume. Mm -hmm. So I got a lot of experience. I probably had a. I probably had a. uh, second year level or third year level graduate student level of research that I did in undergraduate. Mm-hmm. So I literally did research for four years in undergraduate. Wow. Okay. More than anybody else who was around me, at least in undergraduate, and I was pretty much the only one in my lab too. So I did everything in that lab pretty much. I was I was the grad student in my lab at that time pretty much as an undergraduate. Okay. So. That was that's my definition of hacking school. So I did a lot of undergr- I did a lot of undergraduate research, and I also did a lot of um, SPS, which is Society of Physics Students, right. um, uh, stuff. So right. basically, it got me a nice little it got me a nice little like toy model of like practicing with business. Right. So I got to kind of run a business in a very n- relaxed fashion, mm-hmm. you know. And it was also really interesting too because it's, it's like running a business with no power. So no one has to give a shit to listen to you, right? Um, because nobody's being paid. Uh-huh. So it's everybody's doing everything out of respect or just out of the goodness of their hearts. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting, and it's like a really cool, nice little starter pack for running your own business. Right. So that for me was hacking school. Okay. Basically, being able to do other things besides the shit that you just need to get done, just because you know you have to satisfy these things. Mm-hmm. Um. As opposed to having to dedicate all of your existence to just doing the arbitrary hurdles that they set up for you at school, which is basically what the PhD program was. So I had, I had, had, had to use all of my effort to pass exams, you know, to do all the little qual stuff and all that crap. And it left me almost zero time or zero energy at least Mm -hmm. to hack school. Right. So I hacked it way less effectively
0: than I could. In undergraduate, right? I think you know uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's experience was similar. I think he dropped out of grad school the really? first time because he was doing extracurriculars. You know, with like, mm. I'm not sure if it was wrestling or what, but he was he learned the hard way that you can't balance things outside of grad school, right, with grad school itself,
2: which I think is a real detriment to grad school, honestly, because mm. to me, it's almost like you're just you're just molding people into a singular like, into like a singular, th- uh, I don't know what you'd say like a singular uh, type of person. I guess there's it's still nice because there are different people do have diversity of their opinions and their, um, or not opinions but I should say their like their attack of like solving problems and things, but. Right. I think there's a little bit to be desired. It's too much it's too much of a focus on just the hazing and the arbitrary barriers. I get it, it's gotta be hard because you wanna weed weed people out, right? Right. But uh, I don't know. It just to me it's gotten to it got to such a level where it was not even worth the um, it wasn't worth what I got back from it. Mm-hmm. Although I did get a lot of useful things from it for sure. Like I learned a shitload. Um a shitload more than I probably would have ever learned on my own. Just because I got to be put in that environment and given the allotted time to do that, but um, the art, the the barriers and things were just too much, where it was not worth it at that point. Right. Also, the length of time was yeah. too long.
0: Yeah, no, I totally understand what you're saying. I mean, that's a major motivation for this podcast, and you know, um, a w- major thing that I want to address is just like the amount of. Well, I guess there's just. I might hesitate to use this word, but, you know, there's a lot of toxic, you know, mentality when it comes to, I think, physics, grad school. A hundred percent. Right. Like the amount of workload, um, the perception of like what it is to be a physicist, you Mm -hmm. know. um, A real physicist. Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like you need to be this certain, like you're saying, a certain type of person, a certain type of way. Right. Right. Of doing things. and. I agree. I think it's pretty restrictive, and I think mm-hmm. it's not to the benefit of physicists or scientists or the world in general. Right? So I agree. I think,
2: um, although I think it's getting better. I think um, our generation, mm-hmm. like our time, is gonna is reshaping that model because we are getting more. You know, like different kinds of people coming in. You know, different ethnicities. Different. You know, we get more women in physics now than ever. You know, we have. Um, all types of people coming in now, where I think um, we're gonna. Ch- I think we're changing that landscape because mm-hmm. the physics isn't the wild west of the lone gun, the lone gunslinger. Now yeah. you know the freaking like Dirac types <laughs> or the Einstein types. <laughs> you don't need that anymore. It's like right. we're like mega projects. We're like yeah. social now. You know we need we have we we stress collaboration. You know. People are meming physics now and things <laughs> like that. We're making physics podcasts. Like right. physics is becoming more friendly towards that environment, I think. And it's kind of like the old guys are like they're the last ones trying to hold on to that good old days of physics, where it was you know just brutal, just you know just this 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 single singular mentality of you must be the the right. completely you know introverted one hundred percent you know just. I have to focus and do everything physics and nothing else, right. literally nothing else right
0: I think it's a I think it's a dying breed right I mean i I do see what you're saying, and I am tempted to agree with you, right yeah, but um, I do see that the problem is here, right and that's why mm-hmm. i'm doing this I right? think it's universal though
2: right I think it's that's just the atmosphere of what it is to be a physicist, right. especially nowadays, but I think we you know as we're coming up our generation is changing that slowly. Yeah. You know, of course there's always going to be those kind of guys, I think. Mm -hmm. And also because, you know, they're going to get that people, a bunch of people coming up like us are getting that instilled into them because they've grown up with, they've, they've looked up to guys like that. Mm -hmm. But I think, um, as a whole, our generation is going to shift that. At least I hope I'm optimistic about the future. And I think that we will be the ones to change that. We're going to make physics more accessible, more fun, you know, less, um, just, just not so serious. Just, right. you know, chill the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not the most important thing to ever do, right. you know. but <laughs> Just have fun in life.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right. Us here, all, all the, you know, physicists <laughs> at this table, if we mm-hmm. can title ourselves that, are in the minority group, right? So we would mm-hmm. represent a lot of that diversity that you're talking about. Um, you mean racial minority well, and, I guess we're we're in many myotories, right? Yeah, <laughs> many ways you slice that cake, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we're not a typical physicist, okay, right? uh, on the outside, right? okay, yeah. But um, not to put you on the spot, but I mean, how do you feel about you know um, the state of women in physics, right? Like, do you feel like your experience in physics has been kind of oppressive by you know the amount of masculinity, I guess you could say is, is physics like a masculine science or?
1: Um, I think definitely it presents itself as that. I think that even, um, you know, starting at elementary school level or lower, right. Women or girls don't see themselves represented in physics. So, you know, it's like you grow up, you see a role model, you connect with them. Um, and then from there you might, it might inspire you or push you forward to move in whatever particular roles you have but if you're like a you're a girl and you see the majority of this field is dominated by men you don't see much representation of yourself in that regard of your identity so you may start feeling like oh perhaps that's not a correct field for me or perhaps that's not something that i should even be um aspiring to be um so i think it starts at even that kind of bare minimum level um just growing up and on top of that, you also, I feel like personally, I've definitely had encounters with either men in physics or in science who have deterred me from even trying to go with the theoretical route, which I've always been interested in theoretical physics. And I particularly remember a um, someone where who I was asking for advice of how to move forward in this field, um, and he kind of deterred me and kind of made me feel like that wasn't a possibility for me. Um,
0: Strictly on the basis of sex or on some something else?
1: Well, maybe. I mean, I wouldn't say it's strictly from sex, so maybe we shouldn't be mixing the two. Right. Um, but because of messages that, you know, I've gotten throughout my whole life, that's maybe something that I may have lumped in. Whether regardless it's correct or not, right. it's something that because you have some bias or from, from the past that you might in the future still attribute this kind of stuff because oh, I'm a woman, maybe I'm not supposed to be in this field. Um, and then also you just, I remember a lot of growing up in different classes, um, like science classes, physics classes, and, um, you do kind of see some treatment towards kind of, uh, the boys in the class, perhaps Mm -hmm. that, um, they're pushed more towards the sciences, whereas the women are pushed more towards humanities or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like, you know, nowadays it's getting better in terms of um, the teachers are trying to be more aware of this behavior and trying to be more like, uh, you know, encouraging all students. But I think there's still work to be done because I think it's still some um, inherent bias that a lot of people do have, that have been going right.
0: right, and you know, physics is one of the worst offenders, right, so that's why it's important that, we, you know, we at least address this, right, we at least have a conversation about what it is to be to have this experience. Right, and to say that that's not the way we would like it to be, right? We think the world ought to be some way that includes, you know, as many minds as possible, right? That's mm-hmm. really what scientists ought to care about: is the quality of your thinking and you know the rationality of your arguments. Well, to be fair, though, to physics,
2: the physics community, I think they have been trying to do that oh, yeah, a lot definitely. lately. Because right. you know, we see the mag lab, like the, um, they bring in the middle school girls, I think. I'm not mm. sure where they're from, but they have like little tours for them. Mm. And it was, it's like a good group of like, at least I think I want to say like 30 or 40 girls where they have them come up to the mag lab and then they show them around and things. Right. So I, I know they're trying to sow the seeds for the future basically. And mm. it seems like they're getting better with that. You know, we have, I think the woman who, um, who leads the LHC, she, you know, right. that's, that's woman. Um, I mean, right. yeah, so they're, they're trying for sure. I right. mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't mean to, like... So I'll give them I'll give them credit, you know, yeah. a little yeah. bit at least. I yeah. agree with that,
1: but it's still, I feel like, it's still even that issue where I'm telling you there's not as many women role models to look up mm-hmm. to in science. That's a big issue, like a deterrent to begin with, you know? So I feel like, yes, it's going to take some time for, you know, that to equalize. Like, at physics, how many women faculty members do we have? I've only had one woman professor since I've been in here. like in our university, there's not that many, right? So it's like even there, you're, it's yeah. like you you don't have you know any women to look up to, I guess. No, mm-hmm. I understand
0: that, and and I agree that th- there is an issue there, right? But um, I guess this is where, you know, we get into politics, right? If we're going down that rabbit hole, like this is where Jordan Peterson would step in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and, and he would talk about equality of outcome. Right, right, right. So to break it down for you, I mean, is, um, basically one of. Jordan Peterson's big gripes is he's, you know, a clinical psychologist, right? He argues that, um, that, that discrepancy that you see between men and women being in a certain field is due to their own interests, due to their own psychological makeup, right? Um, he says men are more interested in things, generically Mm -hmm. speaking, so that's why they tend to be more in the sciences. And, um women tend to be, tend to care more about, you know, nurturing behavior. Like, this is all, like, broad generalities. This is not true of any specific individual, but of the male and female, you know, um, sex as a whole, right? And so, even regarding that, you know, piece of information, I think there's still too much of a description to see, too much of a delta Mm -hmm. that even if that were the case then um we're still not even at the level of representation Mm -hmm. that we ought to see so i think there's still work that needs to be done even if you know jordan peterson is correct but i think it's something worth acknowledging Mm -hmm. i I mean how do you feel about that that
1: yeah i mean i agree with what you're saying that that definitely could be a possibility i mean i don't know enough about that i haven't Mm. read enough articles about the research like that so i wouldn't be sure how to like answer that yes or no for sure but um i can see that being a possibility of course but like you said i don't think it's at the equilibrium point where it would naturally fit in if there weren't some already like uh, deterrence for other barriers or obstacles exactly for women you know over many many years right decades so um i think that there's still like you said more (laughs) work to be done (laughs) right
0: great but um Okay, so um, I'd like to take a step back and try to put, like, a frame on your experience, Terrence, if that's okay. Okay. Do do you think you could talk a little bit about, like, like your experience in your, like, household? Like, when you were growing up, like, I vaguely know of what your parents' occupations were, but, like, what were their attitudes towards science? Were you personally pushed towards, you know, Mm. scientific pursuits or, like what kind of influences were around your childhood
2: i guess yeah so um <clears throat> yeah that's a good question man um my my mom and dad were very encouraging of scientific stuff in general i mean my mom i would probably attribute to you know one of the the first conscious memories of me even being interested in anything scientific hmm. um Funnily, it's probably for it was probably for her own interest because uh, she gave me a um, human anatomy book when I was a kid. Uh, of course, because you know how the mother wants the, the son to be the doctor and yeah. you know, oh, okay. take care of her <laughs> and whatnot. I see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so she invested interest for sure. Okay. But uh, little did she know that like I was like enthralled, man. Like mm. that anatomy book that she got me that first you know book. It was probably when I was like six. Mm. I literally took it to school like every day, <laughs> and I would just sit there I wouldn't even really read it I would just look at the pictures and the images and I was just so fascinated by um just by that at a very young age um so I think I've always been kind of geared towards that stuff you know although I didn't know anything I didn't even know what physics was until I was you know in college but um just scientific thinking in general I think I was very interested in um from a young age and I think my mom helped Put that seed, plant that seed first but then it was really my dad who I think who got me comfortable with logic mm. so I used to always feel kind of weird because I was like you know I would always always see my mom was really emotional and I never quite understood like I never quite understood like how her mind was thinking about things so I always would like interpret it in a weird in a strange way mm. and um I just didn't I just thought everybody was kind of like being overly emotional for some reason it was kind of weird. You know when you're a kid you don't really understand right. And then my dad though He kind of Stood up, he kind of stuck up for me When he thought my mom was being too Overly emotional or something And he was like he's fine And I was like oh okay It's actually okay for me to be logical If I want to be So my dad kind of like gave me that um, He's kind of the one who Gave me that um, That comfort to be you know, f- as logical as I want to be.
0: Hmm.
2: Um, and yes, yeah, so then that combined, I think, and at, at a very young age, and that combined with my mom giving me the seed, it kind of, they they really let me kind of be myself and be my own person right. and grow my, my scientific interest over time. Hmm. Um, so my parents, I think, really gave me that really critical, like, first steps in this weird kind of, maybe by chance way, where they, you
0: know, allowed me to explore explore my interest fully. And they didn't have any like experience with science themselves. Like growing up, like my experience in my household was like um, my parents didn't know anything about science or math, and it was mm-hmm. it was always up to me to kind of teach myself how to do anything. Right. Was it a similar experience in your household or? So my mom was horrible with
2: math. (laughs) But she's really clever and creative. Mm. So my mom would do these games with us. She would play. So she would, we would do um, uh, math rap. So (laughs) math rap on cassette. And we would do rapping of the math. So he would just be like, one plus one is two. Five times three is 15. (laughs) <laughs> and shit like that so we would just listen to these cassettes in car in the car You're dating and she would do like these math games <laughs> like we would we, like at the pool and all these kids would join in too like at the pool they loved it my mom would do flash cards and we'd have to she'd hold up like five and like five mm. and then they and then she put an operator in the middle and it'd be five times five 25 and you'd have to guess the number before you jumped into the pool Oh, okay. And then if you couldn't guess it in time, then you'd get like a penalty or something. So hmm. she would do all these like clever games that actually would trick you into learning. I see. Yeah. So she loved doing that kind of stuff. Hmm. My dad, um, he was my dad was like my dad was an engineer. Right. Okay. So he had heavy background in, you know, of course, right. not not to the level of a physicist, but he at least was up to calculus. Yeah. But he was very uh, – he was not good at explaining <laughs> at nice. a very low level. Okay. So my dad would get very frustrated very quickly if you didn't understand something immediately. So hmm. it was really left to my mom to kind of give me the foundation. And then uh, I was able to take it from there myself. Mm-hmm. So my parents really – they didn't – you know, I always felt like um, as a kid that I, – I guess maybe not just my parents, but I felt like a, a lot of people just didn't have the answers that I wanted. Okay. But that was actually kind of what fueled me more. So mm-hmm. I always felt unsatisfied. You know, I was never really a, a kid who liked just because I said so right. or, you know, just because or, you know, be, you know, the, the, the typical answer of adults. Right. So I kind of learned very early that if I'm going to be satisfied with what I want to understand, I'm going to have to learn it all myself pretty much. Mm-hmm. So it just it, that that was just like it, it was very young. I had that spark of just I'm going to have to figure all this stuff out myself yeah. And it was fun because you know I had a lot of, um, I had a lot of practice just analyzing things myself at the level that I really wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so my I think my parents just gave me the most important elements of just they sowed the seeds by making me comfortable being my own weird self mm-hmm. and not not trying to throw their opinions on me. You know, my, my 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 dad was really good at not forcing his opinions on me. Mm-hmm. Like he would let me believe whatever I want, even if it was dumb, you know, (laughs) and then he would just not like he would not enforce his will on me ever.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, my dad was kind of similar, but this kind of brings us to like a tangent. But something that I think seems like it's important to you is like, was there any like were your parents religious at all?
2: Yeah. So my parents are Christian to this day. Okay. Although I think I'm I'm incepting them. <laughs> <laughs> for the for the layman audience, I'm incepting I'm meaning like uh, if you know the movie Inception where they plant the seed in the in the guy's mind and it's kind of like rewiring his brain to think a different way. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm I'm have in, been in, incepting my parents for the for many years. My dad's pretty much almost fully I think converted at this point. Hmm. Or he won't say it, but I know I know he's getting there. <laughs> okay. But uh, yes, yeah, so they're very religious. Um, I used to be religious for about 17 years. Okay. So this was most of my life I was religious. Well, how old am I now? Yeah, I guess most of my life still. <laughs> Almost not. So I'm 31. But, um, yeah, I've been religious for 17 years of my life. Mm-hmm. But there were, came a crossroads. So, you know, when you're in school, especially in high school, and you're all insecure and you don't know what the hell you want to mm-hmm. do in life, you're trying to figure yourself out in the world, you're like, okay. Especially this this was this was kind of prompted after – me losing to debates, you know, religion. Oh, I fucking hate losing to debates. (laughs) So so I was like, okay, I got to settle this. I'm going to go ham on this now. I'm going to prove that Christianity is right. Mm. And that we can somehow make this fit into the scientific framework. I'm going to do all this. I'm going to, I'm going to prove these people wrong from their own science. And I'm going to shut all these motherfuckers down. (laughs) So, I studied a bunch of shit on, so I I started with philosophy, and then I went, and then I kind of migrated down like psychology, and then along that path. So I started philosophy, psychology, and then I started migrating into uh, more hard sciences like physics, and Mm. not so much like chemistry or anything, but like towards physics. So it was was like philosophy, psychology, physics, and I just went down a rabbit hole for Mm. like a good year, maybe, and. I started becoming more and more agnostic. And I was Mm. like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm starting to maybe switch. (laughs) (laughs) So the more and more evidence I saw, it was just like, damn. Just religion has no ghost of a chance of being correct compared (laughs) to this system. And it was almost like the golden light of my life. It was like probably one of the most critical moments of of my life was just discovering physics because i was like man physics is just it's like the it was like the system that i've been looking for all my life Hmm. because it was something that was so rigorous and just so fundamentally just satisfying in its answers like when you when you really can understand a physics concept Hmm. i mean we all know the feeling it's just (laughs) like damn you just know it's so fucking it just gives you such a (laughs) satisfaction of rightness that you don't get from a lot of other things Because, you know, like you're in like the soft sciences, of psychology, you're always like, I can think of something else that might be true. Right. And I can think of five other things that might be true. It could be right. It's probably right, but maybe not. Mm -hmm. You know, um, just physics just makes it so right, though. When you see Mm -hmm. the answer, you're just like, that is fucking satisfying. (laughs) You know, especially when you can all arrive at the same answer, you know, from three different approaches. It's so convincing. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was just like, once I found the power of physics, I just realized how many leaps and bounds above it was at describing the universe, specifically describing the universe. Right. I was just like, I'm done with anything religious. Yeah. And that was kind of the the first moment for me realizing that, okay, there's something here for sure. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I lost my religion pretty much, you know, after that point, it was just like full ham wow. science mode, yeah. you know. And then, of course, there were some other things I had to resolve where it was like the occult stuff. I got heavy into like ghosts and, (laughs) you know, and, um, you know, uh, what else is there? Uh, uh,
0: Spirits, I don't know.
2: Poltergeist. the same thing, like ghosts. um, Oh, conspiracy theories. Okay. So like UFOs and stuff and, you know, um, all that kind of shit. Oh, Illuminati. um, (laughs) 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 All of that stuff I started getting heavily into. Yeah, your, and, co- your uh,
0: co-host is still heavily into that stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <okay>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, Juan, Juan, he's another. Uh, he's my co-host on the Eigen Bros. Um, we actually talked about UFOs last week. We'll, <laughs> we'll post it up soon. That's one that I still kind of like have that I love. It's like my guilty pleasure. Okay. Like I dabble in it a little bit. Right. But yeah. It's a guilty pleasure in that you feel like it's irrational,
0: but you want it to be true? Or uh, like, no,
2: not in the sense that I've, I want it to be true or anything. It's just that one, it's one of these things that's kind of a culty. Yeah. Um, but it's got enough things in, in there that are like interesting to me to that I could be convinced that it, it it's logically sound that it could exist. Okay. But yeah, well you can listen to the podcast you to find out more about that. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. what was my what was the question? <laughs> Forget now. <laughs> don't ask me. Yeah, you will watch my rambling.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I mean, just talking about, you know, religion in the household, right? So like um, Oh yeah, yeah. how eventually physics kind of broke that that hold over you. Right. So yes, yeah. So I
2: so that's the thing though also I I feel like for me personally, I think one of the most important things for myself mm-hmm. is to is, – is understanding the universe. Mm-hmm. So whatever system it is, you know, I didn't care if it had to be physics. I just go with whatever the best system is that I feel. Right. And I just don't think – well, I know. I'm not going to be a soft um, – I'm going to give hard opinions. <laughs> Religion is not a system – for explaining the universe, it just isn't. It mm. just doesn't have anything that holds up to this modern day. It just is clearly a an, an antiquated method of trying to explain things. Mm-hmm. So, to me, that's just so critical of a thing to know in life. Right. That I felt like I cannot rest on my laurels. I can't give soft opinions on this because I think people are too coddled a lot of times with things that are this critical. Right. You know, you, you, you have to understand your place in life. You've got to understand the human condition. You've got to understand how the real world works. Because the thing is, if you don't, that could actually wind up hurting you in the future. Right. And if it doesn't hurt you, maybe it, it hurts society in the long run. Yeah. So I think people have a responsibility to, you know, to live in reality. You know, although and it, we love fantasy and whatnot, mm-hmm. so I don't knock people who realize that it's fantasy, but when you start thinking that the fantasy mm-hmm. is reality is when it becomes yeah. a problem because then you get legislation for not teaching edu- evolution in schools. Yeah. You get legislation for um, uh, banning people from talking about climate change. You know, these things are real things that affect us, right. and I just want to stamp these fires out as Effectively as I possibly can So even with my parents I will never say grace At the dinner table ever again Mm. Some people think I'm being disrespectful And they're like Come on bro You know it's just your parents Just just give them that But to me it's I say you know I can't Because it's just so important to me That people live In the real world Mm. You just cannot let that fantasy take over Right So I really try to be diligent Even in With my parents Who I love very much I don't You know I I have to be true with them and say, I don't want to lie to them because I don't want them to be vulnerable or manipulated by people. You know, when you and when you don't live in reality, you become very easily manipulated or at least easier than you should be because you believe elements of fantasy and people mm-hmm. can exploit you with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, just a couple things I would add on to that is like, yeah, I think it's really interesting. Like the main problem I have with like religion or dogma or fundamentalism in general is that, is that like it's just uh, such a clear example of like irrational thinking and like how there's this like asymmetry and like how we apply it here but not in other places in your life, mm-hmm. right? And it's just so strange like how they how comfortable they feel doing right. that. Like it's just like it's really baffling to me. Like I get it though because the thing is I've come from that place, right?
2: So I understand it. It's it's so powerful, man. Yeah. When you're in it's the it's the whole indoctrination thing. This is why when you're a kid, it's so critical to indoctrinate kids when you're young mm. if you're like someone who's religious because when you're indoctrinated, man, it's almost like it's such a powerful force that even the most logical people can are susceptible to it because you, it, your, your framework is built upon that. Yeah. And the thing is what happens when you're relearning things or when you're unlearning things or when you're getting new knowledge is... Something that goes against your your base framework that you've built up for so long in your life, and you have to take that whole thing down, yeah, it's like demolishing a whole building that you've been building your whole life, right so it hurts it's like a painful thing mm-hmm. and that's why I think it's so hard for people to let go of it. That's why it was so hard for me to let go. I was like also with the threat you know with the Bible you're like you're I'm gonna go to hell if I right. question. You know, and it's just it's uncomfortable, man. You don't want to have to rebuild all of that stuff. So when you've built that much on your foundation and it's that shaky, you know, you're building a foundation on sand, essentially. And if you do that, it doesn't feel good. Mm. But the thing to me that feels worse is is toppling an even higher building. Mm. So, you know, while you're at, you know, let's say your buildings like a a, um, I don't know what's a kind of small building. That's known. Um, your, your building might be at the uh, the level of a uh, a White House or something, right? Okay. If it's built on, it's, it's on sand, you can knock that down and you can rebuild it
0: mm.
2: pretty quickly. But if your building's the freaking Burj Khalifa, <laughs> you know, and it's built on sand, you don't want to knock that shit down. It's too mm. fucking big and you don't want to rebuild that. I guess it's a bad example, but <laughs> right. You know yeah. you know what I'm trying to say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Let me try to understand what yeah. <laughs> you are trying to say. So the analogy is like, what do you mean by like building more upon it? Like you mean like buying more into this notion of like religion and fundamentalism, like 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 really buying into it, like to the degree at which you like build your foundation upon this thinking? Like Yes, yeah. like so whether basically, you become like a priest or like something like that or right exactly so like if you're a priest
2: imagine being a priest and dedicating decades of your life to believing in the existence of God and then let's say one day you wake up and you're an atheist Hmm. that fucking hurts to try to rebuild I mean could you imagine your whole life like imagine if you had a well I guess you would not have a wife you're a priest right um like, well, could oh, could you have a wife? You, I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe it's not Catholic. I don't just, know. Yeah, it depends thinking, on the priest. Yeah. So, yeah, imagine if your whole family's Christian. Yeah. Your immediate family, your grandparents, your neighborhood, your community, people are looking up to you. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that can happen like that's the worst, man. Imagine if you're being an atheist and you're like a pastor or a priest. That's what I'm talking about. If yeah. you're going that far in life with a foundation of sand because you didn't question the fundamental beliefs, Right. That's the kind of pain you can suffer because you've built so much around that. Yeah. And just imagine all the people you would be letting down. Imagine all the life that you just have wasted. Well, not wasted. I'm sure you've done good. You would do good things. But, you know, it's just like I don't want to put myself through that. I would rather keep blowing down my foundation until it's fucking, like, solid. You know, I want my shit to be made out of adamantium. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't want a shaky foundation whatsoever. So if I have to knock my shit down a hundred times, I'll do it. The thing is, my foundation is so solid now, I know it ain't happening. Mm -hmm. So I've put in the work, and I've actually deconstructed my own thinking at such a level now, I feel like, my foundation is the strongest it's ever been.
0: Right. Yeah. I think so that, I don't have any real worry of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was just about to say that that's probably like a common trait amongst a lot of physicists, but mm-hmm. actually well, I, I'm rethinking that now because yeah. <laughs> there's quite a convinced, there's quite a few who still have, you know, uh, these religious tendencies and yeah. stuff like that. And it's like, you know, I'm not saying, I mean, uh, it's, it's Muddy waters here. It's like, yeah. it's hard to say that they're not justified in that, but it's just like, to me, it seems like, like I was saying, just clear examples of not consistent, rational thinking, right? It's just like right. applying a different standard of thought to this aspect of your life. Right. To me, it's a split personality. Hmm. It's
2: like you're building two buildings. Right. So they realize, well, I don't know if they even realize, it's like one one might be built on a foundation of sand, but they just they're like building two buildings at once. So they don't really notice how shaky the other one is. It's like, you can't really, you can't, I guess you can build two buildings, but to me, it's almost like that's a waste of energy. Like, why would you? And, and the thing is, it's like, that's not, that's not really, that's not living in reality either. Right. You're, you're, you're going back and forth between these two regimes that have no right. that, overlap. Yeah. They're not compatible. Yeah. They're not compatible. Right. So it's
0: like, I guess you can live a split personality life, but like, right. It's just not consistent. Yeah. So I guess one clarification I would put in here that I would want to get your opinion about is like, I'm perfectly okay with the notion of like spirituality. I guess you could say in in the sense that like, if you derive some sort of like alternative meaning to your own personal life as to like, how you should go about thinking and how you should go about like, um, being in the present moment or, you know, how we might abstractly connect on some like, you know, higher dimensional thing that you recognize and acknowledge that it's not necessarily reality. Right. Then I'm perfectly okay with that. Right. It's just the fact that, you know, like you were saying, like how religion, I I agree in the sense that religion is like an antiquated way of describing the universe. Right. If you wanted to tell me how the universe is, I need evidence right is the problem Mm -hmm. right if you're gonna make some claim about this that there is some you know god that there's some agent out there that cares about you know what you do i need some way of like verifying that but if you're just making some more abstract claim about you know you know how we all fit into this thing how we all fit into the universe right and stuff like that like i'm you know, much more comfortable being agnostic on, I guess you could say. Right. Right. Not taking such a hard line against it. Right. Right. Well, I'm I'm pretty much with you. The only reason I'll
2: take a very hard stance on religion and I'll claim complete atheism Mm. is because I analyze it from the framework of if you're claiming religion, you're claiming that either God exists, Yahweh exists, um, Mm. whatever the fuck else (laughs) there is. Yeah. Meaning that you're creating you're you're claiming that one of these deities that we've come up with exists. I'm never going to be bold enough to say that a god type entity can exist, yeah, right? Exactly. Like a higher power. Right. But the thing is, that's almost not even the argu- argument to me. If you're claiming a religion, and you say that a god exists, right, like that, that means you you're saying with a with a definitive stance that you know that a higher being exists, and it's one of these that have been named. Yeah, it's a specific. So thing. I can clearly say I'm atheist against that. I can clearly yeah. debunk those just with the books that they have. So, I can debunk any religion. I just can't debunk that a higher power exists, yeah, right? in general, right, yeah, exactly, right, so that's why I claim hard atheism, yeah, because it's it's like it's like taking yourself down to the human level, yeah, you can always go to the highest level of abstraction, but that's not what people are saying. They're clearly saying it's a Christian yeah. God, it's a Muslim god, it's a whatever the fuck God, so yeah, I can take a hard stance on that,
0: yeah. And uh, do you think that there is a place in physics to try to probe this level of higher abstraction?
2: Right? Absolutely, I do. Right. I don't think it exists at the moment because it's mm-hmm. actually such a hard question, and it it's mm-hmm. so far beyond us. I can't think of a way that you could ever even analyze that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe something related to like drugs or psychology. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like that. But even yeah. that, I'm not. Sh- I'm not convinced either because that's chemicals. But. Um, yeah I'm not convinced we can even go that that level. It's mm-hmm. just so far beyond us. It's like maybe we can like if we could figure out a way to ex- escape our universe, mm-hmm. then I might then we might be able to start talking, right? yeah if we could somehow if we got so fucking clever at some level we could actually leave the universe, then yeah, we might be on, onto something, but right now we are not even scratching the surface, bro right So we ain't
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. how, how do you feel about that?
1: <laughs> I, I do <laughs>
0: <laughs> just because again opinion. putting it on put, <laughs> putting you on the spot like you don't have to respond yeah. to that but it's just um, <laughs> I think that you might have some insight to say in when it comes to this topic about you know spirituality and you know what we can probe and what we can't and stuff like that but
2: mm. <laughs> I don't know not I, quite. I, do you think um do you think there is something to being spiritual, though?
1: Um,
2: and what does spirituality even mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I was, I was going to ask you that. How would you yourself define spirituality? And
2: so I guess for me, spirituality would just be trying to find a connectedness with the universe. And to me, I think absolutely. I think we're actually lacking massively in spirituality, mm-hmm. even religious people. I think yeah. people don't really understand what it means to be spiritual, to me, it's it's learning your connection with the things around you. You know, whether that be people, you know, animals, nature, even inanimate objects, you know? Yeah. Right. You know, if you've taken... Uh LSD or <laughs> fucking mushrooms. At one point, you can feel connected to a goddamn chair, <laughs>
1: <laughs> or you can feel like a pure wave function that yeah, collapses exact, into nothingness. Exactly. That's that's a
2: that's a great way of saying it. Almost, <laughs> you know, it's like you feel so um you feel so connected. You know, that's that's why I I'll say on the record too. That's why I like drugs. You mm-hmm. know, because it's like. If you can utilize that as a like a, a gateway to understanding that there is more to life than what you're living. Yeah. It shatters those boundaries of bullshit that we live in. Yes. It's almost like we're living in such a specific way of life. Yeah. We don't realize this ain't it. <laughs> you know, yeah. the universe is way more fucking and scary than you we're not <laughs> scary, I don't want to say that. But the universe is way more interesting than you could possibly ever imagine. And, you know, all and and mind altering substances can give you a little taste of just that. So and to me, that actually is kind of being spiritual because for me, actually, drugs—if you utilize them properly—they can unlock your mind in a way that I think is is um what would I say is on um is uh completely um vital mm-hmm. to. Uh, <laughs> Not, vital's not the right word but I'm saying it's it's it it, it would be it's such a thing that is um, useful mm-hmm. for the human condition mm-hmm. and I think it gets a really bad rap because of course you see addiction and of course uh, in a society we don't want to promote that kind of behavior because we right. just want to have a functioning society so I get it right. but um, you know the thing is to be spiritual it can help to have something to awaken that right. in you and to understand it and for me like Uh, mushrooms or psilocybin was a way that i did that myself and i kind of got it just gave me perspective man it just Mm -hmm. really makes you realize that you live your own life you're in charge of your own life love the people around you as much as you possibly can love nature as much as you possibly can and enjoy life you know because we only get one shot at least as far as we know maybe not you know We we you know the universe is modeled with harmonic oscillators in many ways, (laughs) so maybe the universe itself is harmonic oscillator. Who fucking knows? (laughs) I'm just gonna live my life in a way where this is the one shot I get,
0: and I'm gonna fucking squeeze the (laughs) hell out of this chance that I get. You know, so so to like rephrase that or put another spin is basically you might argue like the utility function of drugs, um, particularly psychoactive drugs, is to increase um man or humankind's um capacity for empathy or things right. like that of of seeing a connection between other people and other things and other creatures mm-hmm. right that where you might have previously been blind to that
2: absolutely right yeah I think it's just un- I think it's a very because it's just such a um it's such a different state of mind that it's it's it will always be a significant moment in someone's life right. you know so, I, I just think it's just so um, it's so underutilized today. Mm. You know, of course, it's getting better and things, and it's getting more accepted. I don't know if you heard, uh, Denver actually just legalized uh, psilocybin. Oh no, I didn't. know oh, Or no, not no, legalized. No. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Decriminalized. Mm. So you won't be arrested for having it. Mm. But that's the next step. Okay. So I think it's great, man. As long as you are using drugs for the right reasons, you know, not for addiction or filling a hole as a way of expanding the mind and feeling more connected to people and things.
0: Right. Yeah. So in general, I agree with you and, um, it's just, I guess in my own personal life, I would rather take, I don't think it's necessary to have that type of drug experience to reach that state of enlightenment, if you want to call it that. Um, but it, it can be useful for a lot of people is what I would say. I would say like a lot of people, I think would have a lot of difficulty reaching that next step were not for that push in that direction. I agree. I think certain minds and certain people can, you know, reach that level without ever having, ever having to touch a drug.
2: Yeah. I think you're right. I think right. another avenue would, would be meditation. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of those guys like Buddhist monks are really, they, they are, they're, they're to something. I think it may not be as supernatural as some people might think, you know, where they're, fucking open their <laughs> chakras and whatnot but I think they are on to something for sure because they literally spend so much of their time just trying to be connected yeah. and doing things in such a way where they're you know s- they're sitting with their thoughts you know all the time yeah, and just they live such a minimalist life they really understand like what matters you know in the long run of course it's an extreme way of living and I don't think that everybody needs to do that of course but um i think there's a lot of ways you can be more spiritual Mm. and i think it's really just being just finding that way to be connected more with with people and what just with with the universe in general yeah yeah i agree however that may be
0: i think that's going to be an important next step for Humanity in terms of like updating our software, updating, you know. I absolutely agree. Is like becoming a little bit more aware of our connectedness. I think so many people really aren't present really in the moment and really have a lot of difficulty seeing beyond their own mind and empathizing with other people. And and I think that's like a big, um, I guess a big byproduct is the polarization of society and stuff like that. Is just because like me personally having this scientific perspective amplifies that, right? Like knowing that we're basically nothing in the universe, right? And that we're all just like on this floating rock in the middle of like, we're just an infinitesimal speck in the grand scheme of things, right? right? So we're nothing and something at the same time, right? And so
2: like something significant and something completely who gives a fuck at the same, <laughs> same time, right? right? That's the beauty of life though. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many dichotomies and Mm. it's just like, you can, you you can only really appreciate it if you actually just take a step back. We're so concerned with dumb shit these days, like fucking Instagram, Twitter, who (laughs) gives a fuck? I mean, I get it. I understand. It's important. Right. And it's fun. And if that's what you want to do in life and you know, you're trying to get places, you got to be human, of course. But at the end of the day, you really always got to kind of remember what matters. You know, your fucking Instagram account doesn't matter. Mm. goddamn what people are saying about you doesn't matter mm. what your mom's thinking about your whatever your, mm. your girlfriend or whatever it doesn't matter yeah. it just doesn't these things just don't matter you need to always remember perspective right. and this is something yeah. that, um, that uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Gary Vaynerchuk yeah. yeah. I love that guy he's probably one of my favorite entrepreneurs at least top five mm. he always talks about that perspective you gotta keep your perspective in life and then you just, you just feel so free you know, because you can do whatever the hell you want at that point.
0: Yeah, and I'm just remembering uh, we kind of got on a big sidetrack from you know <laughs> where I'm about to go is uh, oh, okay. is um, you know my dad and my stepmom you know asked that I say grace at every <laughs> at every meal also mm. and I and I kind of oblige that just because I don't know like perhaps you know I could be argued into thinking that you might argue that. I ought to take a harder line with them. It's just, I feel like what they would get out of, you know, rationality, right. What they would get out of, you know, a logical, consistent way of thinking wouldn't provide value to their life. Right. Right. I think it would actively detract from, you know, um, the meaning and the, what he, my father would find interesting in life. Like a big part of his life is spirituality, right? He was, in the Moonies, at one point, and uh, in the what? In the Moonies, it was a c- it's a cult. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, really? I never heard of this. Right. Uh, he's hopped from religion to religion, but the Moonies. Um, basically, there was this guy from Korea, South Korea, Sun Young Moon, who claimed to be the next coming of Jesus. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, and it so, seems a common theme. Right, <laughs> so <laughs> so so a lot of people,
0: you know, bought into that. Mm-hmm. The cult is still around nowadays, and. Um, sure um, so as a result they think that the Koreans are the chosen people and and stuff like that And anyways so spirituality has been a big component of his life and as a result I don't think um, there's been like a you know a big emphasis in terms of like you know um, like for me a cornerstone of my life is that I want my views on the world to be logically consistent want it I want my views to be rational um, you know I want them to be verified by evidence. You know, it's important that you know uh, what I think is true is true. Mm-hmm. That's important to me. I don't know if it's as important to him. I mean, I guess it ought to be. Like, maybe it's like, I don't know. <laughs> um, should I comment? Yeah. I, um, what do you, What do you think? Should I take a harder line with him? I think, think
2: it's all subjective, man. Mm. I think you do you. Um, you're probably not as much of a douche as me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> i'm kind of more of a uh you know i'm more of a um i think i'm more of a crusader for that okay i know you're you're a nicer guy joe (laughs) so i think you just do what you feel is correct men um it's it's my crusade right Right. so that's a battle i choose to do you know there's many battles you can fight in life and i think certain people have certain battles and things that they live for one of my you know um I guess it's just very important to me to always make sure the people around me are just not taken advantage of. Yeah, yeah. who can see past bullshit, um, and yeah, it's just just don't get fucked over by manipulators. Right. And to me, that's just so important to me that I I make sure that everyone around me understands that. If something is bullshit, I'm going to fucking call you out. I'm <laughs> going to call me out. I'm going to call anyone out on it. Yeah. You know, because I just think it's too important. Yeah. I don't want to have anyone I know become part of a cult right. or be be taken advantage of because they're giving all their money to some fucking idiot right. who claims right. to be Jesus. Right. Not, not not saying anything <laughs> bad about your <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, stepfather. I mean, because it no, happens. No, no, no. You know, um, I've been susceptible to things. I've been scammed. That's the thing, I, I, it's just, it just makes me feel weak and it makes me feel like, you know, I am, I just don't like that feeling, right? I don't mm-hmm. like when someone manipulates me into something mm-hmm. and to me, that's just something that I have to actively fight. Right, no, I So I it's agree. my battle.
0: No, I agree. To clarify, like I have had a conversation with him about like, yeah, like now I think we're more up to date as like, I don't think what you believe in is, is rational, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's justifiable. Like, why do you believe this? Blah, blah, blah. And we've had a long conversation about it. And I think he's more, you know, he understands my perspective on the matter. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. He just chooses to not accept it, right? But um, so since we're at that point, like where it's just like he understands my perspective, it's just like I feel not the need to constantly have that battle, Yeah, I guess you could say. Um, but it's an interesting comment that you had is like you what you're saying is like science and logic, I guess more generally is a tool to protect yourself versus against like charlatans against right. people who would take advantage of you. That's
2: probably a really one of, that's probably one of the like instinctive drivers for why I even do it. Mm-hmm. You know, to me logic is freedom. It's like a way to make sure you're not taken advantage of, you know, I've been scammed so many times Because I just didn't, I didn't understand things well enough. Hmm. So now I've gotten to such a level, you know, nowadays where I feel like I could see almost any, I can sniff out anything now pretty much. Yeah. It's going to be, you're going to have a very tough time trying to pull the wool over my eyes nowadays. Yeah. And the thing is, I understand the process of that. That's because I've literally questioned every single thing that I've ever, you know, thought about or had a question about. You know, I've gone through, I've taken the lumps by getting fucked over many <laughs> times. It's a process, that's the thing. And to me, almost like, the, and also that's, the, that's another reason why I'm maybe so more adamant about it because I've been through it. <laughs> so people who I, who, you know, and I, you know, I, I don't want everybody to have to go through that.. Right. So the people around me who I care about, I want to preserve them so that I can I took the lumps, at least listen to me then. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've seen this shit. I've I understand the signs, you know, so I want to say so I'm like, you know, at least take it from me. Yeah. You know I don't like bullshit and people know how much I hate bullshit. Yeah. So I th- I feel like that's my crusade. At least if mm-hmm. people see that I am saying it's bullshit, maybe they'll think twice. Yeah. That's all I can ask for, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, th- yeah, that's
1: a- Oh, I was just going to ask well, in- go ahead with your family, I mean, how they came to the beliefs that they have, and your father in particular, and, like, um, did he assess, did he question reality to come up with those beliefs, or did he just take on pieces that others told him and put them together as his foundation, which I think is, like, what defines a weak foundation is something that you take from others and you create to be your foundation, versus questioning like analyzing the world and coming up with your own conclusions and that is what creates the strong foundation. Well, I think you that could you take for
2: other, from others, but you have to filter that, yes, yeah. exactly. I mean you still have to question process and mm-hmm. see whether
1: that actually fits into whatever you perceive as your real world reality, right? So what? I'll just
0: watch the link. Um, okay. um Yeah, I mean I, I would say my dad didn't necessarily I can't speak for his experience, but my impression is that um, it was probably part of his life, right? Like, his I think his father and mother were religious, as far as I know. Um, But the way he talks about it doesn't sound like it was a major emphasis. I don't know. Um, It seems like he's the one who went out to make it a major emphasis. He did question it. He studied, you know, religious studies in college he was interested in it right he looked at he's looked at the broader picture he's jumped from religion to religion because he questions these things right you don't just go from one religion to the next without at least having asked the question of like is this you know the most accurate representation of my beliefs right it's just um perhaps yeah, perhaps he's moving the lateral too much right exactly like perhaps to the rigor you know that i would ask questions it wouldn't satisfy those criteria but for him, it might be completely satisfactory. So I would say he has mm-hmm. questioned these things, and I would yep. just—if pu- it were me—I would push him to question it more.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm sure whatever you're doing is fine, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've got a a a good. Um, a light touch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> depends. It depends on who you talk to, really. It's just like, I guess
2: I've never seen you really, like, riled up, though. Yeah, no. It's, you've never You're just seen always me. always so chill. You've never seen me talk,
0: <laughs> get into, like, heated debates with no uh, with Mejia or anything like that. Oh, really? You get in with Mejia? Yeah. Like, well, we've been friends for, like, years before oh, okay, yeah, grad yeah. school. I'd and, love to see that. <laughs> and it's just like, uh, well, it's just like now I'm at a point of, like, peace of just, like, uh, it, it was really heated with him, just because I'm like, how could you believe these things? Like, it's yeah, no. Juan. Gets me you have experience, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. I don't know if you've seen the last podcast with Juan. Yeah, on yeah. There. yeah, yeah. But now imagine having that type of argument in like every aspect of his life. <laughs> it's just like okay, <laughs> like. I will get heated when it comes to some of that stuff and it's just because mm. just it seems like he's not even listening to reason. Right. Um,
2: well, I have another thing also. I'm a little bit more harsh on um, physicists too. So I'm, I'm really har- more harsh on people who are intellectual authorities mm-hmm. because I feel like um, if you're going to be considered an intellectual authority, you have to also have the rigor to back it up. So for me, for if I had like the perfect system for me to design of like what a physicist should be, I would make sure that you've completely questioned your own beliefs first mm-hmm. and then you'd have to spill it out all on the table and ex- and explain exactly why you believe these things from a logical framework and, de- and have de- deconstructed yourself so much that you've built yourself up to a higher level. Mm-hmm. Unless you you know already have all the justific- justifications and you can just work past that. But um, yeah, I think... Um, I think that's a very critical thing to me, at least, to be an intellectual authority. Mm-hmm. If you're going to have the authority to speak on something like how the universe works, mm-hmm. you need to be speaking about it with the authority that you've earned, right? Right. From a, from a scientific, logical framework. Mm-hmm. And this is why I get a little, little bit, you know, uh, if you're believing in religion at the same time, to me, that doesn't seem like you've put in that legwork. Then, you know, if you're going to be an authority on how the universe operates, and you're utilizing two completely incompatible systems, and one that's so far removed from any kind of, um, what would you say, from any kind of uh, um, credibility, mm-hmm. it's like, dude, you got some major. There's right. some major deconstructing that needs to go on internally.
0: Right. Right. So in general I agree with you for like, you know, if you want to call yourself a physicist, that's something you ought to do, but just because, you know, someone believes in something silly doesn't necessarily invalidate their next claim of, you know, how the un- the way the universe works just because they don't typically don't necessarily have the understanding or the rigor or the language to describe their thoughts mathematically or right. whatever doesn't necessarily mean they're
2: wrong. But it's right. like somebody who failed a bunch of businesses telling you how to run a business, right? <laughs>
0: right. No, I understand. So it's
2: like it's like you're getting it's like you're gonna be you know, right. Like why is this person
0: the right? I understand from this. like a statistical like yeah. I guess Bayesian standpoint is like you have all this evidence prior that they don't put in this consistent level of thinking yeah. to their thoughts. It's adding
2: contradiction when there doesn't need to be. Right. If you can just simply look into yourself. Deconstruct your own reality and then build it back up. Right. And it's like, to me, it's like a critical process that you have to go through in order to be an authority on speaking about how the universe works. Right. Because then it shows that you're serious about having things work in a consistent and logical framework.
0: Right. I agree that's with con- you, but, that's, but consi- that's completely consistent. But I guess where I might add to that is um, clearly you can't apply that to every single thought you're ever going to have. Right. Every single what? You can't necessarily deconstruct every single aspect of your life. Like, in, in, you might think that that's possible, but I think in principle, that's probably
1: No,
2: I don't think so. But the thing is, why I'm saying in particular for physicists is because that's literally their job. Mm-hmm. So if that is what your career is, is to understand the mechanics of the universe, mm-hmm. then you have a responsibility to actually understand how the universe works You see right. what I mean? Yeah So that's why I have a higher standard for physicists Right It's kind of like Gordon Ramsay Why he fucking yells all the time at, at chefs
0: mm-hmm.
2: And why he's a fucking asshole to all these chefs Because they should know better, right? They're the ones who say they can cook And they've gone through the process Then you should already know, right? And that's why he's fucking so nice to the chef juniors <laughs> <'Cause> They should not <laughs> should know any better, right? They don't know shit Right, so they they are the ones getting built up, and you have to encourage them, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the thing. If you're gonna claim and be an intellectual intellectual authority, you better damn well be one. Mm-hmm. So, I think you make people better around you too if you're more scrutinized. If you're more scrutinizing that fashion, because mm-hmm. the thing is, like, someone else down the line may fucking obliterate you. You know, if you're not prepared to receive that level of analysis. You know, when someone's completely just shitting on all your beliefs, that's gonna hurt a lot more, especially someone who you don't know. You know, because then you're just, they just shred you up and, you know, let you, let, let and then, you know, you're completely exposed.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that still fall that falls back into the whole vulnerability thing. You know, where I like to have everyone, at least have everyone around me understand the level of scrutiny that's possible, you know, and maybe not go full full force into it, but there are people that can potentially just rip you to shreds if you have that big of consistency in your
0: logical frameworks. I mean, it's just, <clears throat> I guess I just hesitate a little bit on applying that level of rigor to people just because in my experience... Um, I guess it just depends on where you draw the line of what you want to call an intellectual authority, right? Like, because in my experience, some of my mentors, some of my advisors, you know, whatever, I feel have kind of um, laid into me necessarily, like, too hard for, like, a level of rigor or understanding, like, that I don't have, that I don't know, right? And maybe they feel I should, but where does that, you know justification in their head come from right why do they feel like i should know these things when i don't see i think
2: that's a completely different thing though because that to me is basically being a dickhead so (laughs) that and i'll explain why that's because they're laying into you when Mm. you're clearly a student Mm. it's like i'm in grad school because i don't know shit (laughs) right like that's the whole reason why you're here Mm. to learn you know it's like that would be like gordon ramsay cursing at the master chef chef junior kids. Hmm. It's like no, they're there to learn. That's the whole point. That's the purpose. It's just that once the thing is the difference between that is because yeah, just basically what I said and then the thing is with religion versus science hmm. that is like that's something that you're not learning in school. That's something that you should already be applying because you're literally learning how to understand and interpret the universe and its mechanics, right? So that is part of your job. Mm-hmm. So if you're not, uh, if you're not, and, and that's a, and that's like a base level of analysis. That's a very low level analysis.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: If you just do a, f- if you just do a, a few months, I think of really deep internal analysis and um, what is it? Uh, scrutinizing of your own foundation, you should be able to solve that. I feel like, and I feel like physics problems are way harder than that. You know, right.
0: Well, so the example I had in my head is just like the when you were talking, we were talking about Juan, right? Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. About how, you know, he d- doesn't believe that we went to the moon. Yeah. Right. So I could <laughs> I'm gonna, understand. I'm going to specific- hurt that kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Juan, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> right. And in that in that specific example, right? I guess I could already see the argument coming is like, you know, that should be like a base level understanding, right? Is Is what you might argue. Is that something that you might say? <laughs> Let me think Why is it that Yeah pretty
2: much Because he's a physicist That's the That's the real Big reason though When you're someone Whose job is to Understand the universe And the mechanics Of the universe You can't be saying The moon landings Didn't right, happen but You know I mean you were telling me That That's like, a base level like,
0: like he's also A student though Right Is what I'm saying Yeah but, but <laughs> At this point You know
2: But he's too far For that That would be like That would be like A physicist Not knowing how to do Multiplication so it's like you gotta you gotta you gotta know the basics, right? So, yeah, be like, that's like a that's like a PhD not knowing how to multiply. It's like, dude, you can't be here if you don't know how to multiply. You know what I'm saying? So you gotta learn the the basics and the foundational things. You gotta have to understand how to analyze systems and to rule out bad logic and bad um,
0: just just things that are
2: inconsistent,
0: right? right. Right. So I think Juan, I think, would be an interesting case study of like how clearly there's going to be areas of his life where he won't be able to meet that level of rigor that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily for him. I don't know, like it seems like maybe a psychological barrier rather than like a mental faculty barrier, right? Because mm-hmm. he, he could clearly perform some of these calculations, right? right? He can clearly understand some of these really mm-hmm. difficult concepts. But logically rationalizing through a whole argument, yeah. there's some difficulty there. Right.
2: I think it's just a um, a matter of getting his critical thinking skills up to par. Mm-hmm. So I think critical thinking skills should be taught more at a younger age. I don't mm-hmm. think we really do that well. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you shouldn't be able to be at such high levels and not have good critical thinking skills, right? Because that's just such an important part of life to understand anything at a higher level. You know, you got to have critical thinking skills. Mm -hmm. So the fact that, you know, we just rotely teach these physical concepts and things Mm -hmm. and then one might have these... I don't want to stop using one as an example. Yeah, I know. I don't want to pick on them either. Yeah, but 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 (laughs) people have, you know, maybe a lack of critical thinking. Yeah. To me, that's actually a problem with the system as well. Right. So it's like... You need critic. You need a certain base level of critical thinking skills to be able to get to, you know, X level in physics. Right. So it's like it's it shows not a um, understanding of how to deconstruct arguments mm-hmm. and look at evidence and see when there's a the, see when the evidence is mounted up at such a level to you can pretty much say that this has a higher chance of being correct than something else.
0: Right, the level to which you should be convinced by an argument. exactly, exactly. Right, Right. and so, I mean, I don't know if the, I don't personally have any ideas as to how we could implement that. I mean, mean, what do you think, like, what do you think, I mean, like, um, what tools from, like, an educational standpoint could we implement to try to help, you know, young people increase their, um, critical thinking capacities. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I just ask because, you know, you have some experience, you know, with, in an educational background, right? You know, yeah. Doing, I've doing, uh, some little... re- doing some research on that.
1: Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that what I think is really important, maybe starting at, you know, a young age, would be to teach children how to be how to be critical of themselves how to understand themselves and their I guess talking about spirituality as we have before I think it's important that we start teaching spirituality or teaching um students to look or children to look outside of themselves I know that might be hard because they're young so how, how exactly do you implement that but um I think that identity building is really important. So I think that there should be like a class um, dedicated for every grade level. That is exploring questions. How are you feeling? Exploring emotions. What does emotions mean? Um, and that I think can help a lot with... I still
2: need that. <laughs> Jesus, I would kill for that class.
1: <laughs> It'll help students like, connect socially as well. Um, so they'll see, oh, they have similar, they're having similar like emotional responses to things that I feel during the day. Like I get upset about this or that. and That helps kids like connect with each other and understand that like they may have be having difficulties about things going on in school or at home. Um, and in that way, I feel like, A, it'll cut back on bullying. Mm-hmm. Um, sec- I know this is kind of, seems like it's attracting from the critical thinking. No, question, no, no, it's okay. No. But I think that, I think a major issue of, of why people don't really question their reality is because even because they're not even taught to understand who they are and what they are um and understanding their own like emotional reactions to the things that they're presented with so i feel like a lot of times there's a solidification um within you of like these beliefs that you've grown up with as children, right? Um, And you're not really taught how to, like, question your reality or understand your emotions or understand, like, why you have such a strong connection to these ideas that were brought to you, like, emotional connections, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I feel like just starting at that level, like, teaching children, like, about their emotions, um, like, what they mean, and then, like, breaking them apart in a group setting or individual setting, I think is just starting to sow the seeds so they can start thinking more critically. I mean, it first starts like with them thinking critically about their own emotions and what they, who they are, and then it can expand to learning about just having them explore different settings or questions by themselves, and then coming together and say, what did you get out of that? What do you think is happening here? And have them come with their own ideas and their own theories that they then can you can give them some tools in the classroom that they can use whether they be like s- some math ma- some math or some biolog- biological mechanisms that you give them that they can put together to understand and see whether their idea actually makes sense or not so i think mm-hmm. like we have to give them more utility it's more like you're teaching them this this is the way reality is. Th- these are the facts you need to know. And I think it's more like you should teach them. What do you think? Are th- like what do you think is going on here? Here are some tools that could be helpful. Do you see how it could come together? So it's more like kids need to be driving their own learning. And right now, I think the education system, the way that it is, is way too systematic and structured. It's it's very, it's hindering that, which I think is important.
0: Right. Okay. So so I have something to add on to that that uh, I don't want to lose is. Um If I were to rephrase what you're telling me, it's basically you feel uh, that perhaps giving um, students or young children the tools of self-reflection is what is, would be the way forward in terms of teaching them critical thinking skills as well. Like not only self-reflection of like um, your mental models of the universe, but also of their own you know mental states yes and whereas the system that we have now is um is a little more it's independent of the self right it's it's to rephrase what you're saying is like they're giving you facts about the universe you just have to accept them as what they are yes rather than being able to come to that conclusion yourself from the inside yes Right. Okay. So I, yeah, I could I could see the utility of that. Yeah. I think people don't get a lot
2: of practice with that, honestly. Right. You yeah. know, I think um, that's kind of like a, why I like um, one of Jeremiah's classes where he talks about um, the order of magnitudes class. Right. We just I've, it. I've never mm. I've never um, mm-hmm. it. been it been it. I guess you guys could talk more about it, but <laughs> to me it just sounded like a great idea cuz yeah. you're, you know, building things without any math, you're not you're not being so attached to the math now where you can kind of critically think your way through problems you know just based on what you know right so i think more more things like that like philosophy where you Mm -hmm. actually have to you are forced to now take certain positions and and justify them Mm -hmm. you know like in a philosophy class like you know one of the first weeks we were like why do you believe in God? You know, and then people were just like, Oh shit. <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff is what people need. You know, you need to be thrown in the deep end yeah. Yeah. and kind of to see, you know, if you can sink or swim or not. Yeah. And these are just so, and these questions are so important. It's just like, I don't know why we're not doing these at your younger age. Yeah. You know, like we don't need 13 years of English class, like get rid mm-hmm. of a few of those classes <laughs> yeah. and put in a philosophy course or something, you know, that actually prompts you to answer these questions or ask even these questions, so.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. But um, I think we're coming up on probably a good time to stop, so Mm -hmm. I I just have a couple quick questions for you, Terrence, before we wrap up. Fire Um, away. One is, you know, given your unique perspective on the field of physics now, right, um, having come in and out of the field, if someone, you know, perhaps close to you, like one of your friends came up and told you, you know, I'm interested in getting into physics, you know. What advice would you give them?
2: Oh man, that's a damn good question. Um I would say absolutely go for it, man, if you mm-hmm. love it for sure. Mm-hmm. I think uh I think physics is one of the most rewarding um things you can ever get into and I mean it's just so fun to me. It's like you just It's just a it's just something that that is just so useful in life i feel like that you know if that's what you're into a hundred percent i would say go for it Mm -hmm. you know um of course with my position though you know i've i've left early out of my program but that's not to say anything bad about physics that i don't enjoy it Mm -hmm. it's just that you know you got to know what you want Mm -hmm. you know i've gotten what i've wanted out of this class of course i could i probably could take classes forever realistically (laughs) (laughs) and be completely fine with that but um you know, it's just it's just a it's just a matter of what do you want to do ultimately in life. So I would say, you know, of course just just be self aware and mindful of what you want to do in life and don't feel pressurized to do things in anybody else's way. You know, you don't have to be Einstein. But I say absolutely do physics and go for it if you wanna do it. Yeah. But do it your own way.
0: Excellent. <clears throat> yeah. Nothing to add to that, but okay. Um So then this, the last thing is we briefly talked about it, but if you have any like, um so you're working on, you know, building your current future prospects, but mm-hmm. do you want to talk about those? Is there anything that you want to plug perhaps prematurely or like where they could catch you or anything like that?
2: I guess uh I don't really have much to show yet. So I'm so early-staged in everything. I'm still trying to figure out what the hell exactly I'm going to do. <laughs> right <I'm> on. <gonna laughs> but um, yeah, thus is, this is life, right? I'm always <laughs> lost. Um, but uh, I'll just say I, I'll plug Bros. so that's my podcast. Okay. Um, it's E-I-G-E-N-B-R-O-S, and that's with uh, me and my buddy Juan. He's another graduate student. Um, and that's pr- probably the most consistent project I have right now. And there's other things maybe on the horizon, but um, that's all I'll be comfortable with plugging for now. But yeah, yeah, yeah no we'll problem. see in the future. But
0: <laughs> anyways, so it's been a, a pleasure having you on the podcast, man. Thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. And hopefully Absolutely,
2: can- man. I'm glad to be the first one. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> yeah. we could uh,
0: have another one of these sometime.
2: Absolutely, anytime.